0: From Washington. This is the HPS Macrocast with Hamilton Place Strategies and Markets Policy Partners.
1: Good morning. It's Friday, March 4th. You're listening to the Macrocast. It's Tony Prado with Hamilton Place Strategies. Uh, no John Fagan with Markets Policy Partners today. We do have Brendan Walsh, as always, and Matt McDonald uh, leading the coverage of the On Jobs Day, Non Farm Payrolls Day, uh, as he always does. Matt, kind of a blowout report today, huh? Yeah, it was a really good report. Um, the The number was
0: six hundred and seventy eight thousand jobs created in February. The uh, unemployment rate ticked down to three point eight percent. It was pretty. It was a pretty thoroughly good report. You know, it it uh, you look into it, and um, there's a couple of interesting pieces. You know, we're still kind of below on all metrics from where we were pre-pandemic but it's it's chugging along. Uh you can see in the numbers kind of the subsiding omicron effect. Interestingly, um hourly earnings really weren't up. Um they were pretty stable which which is um you know good news from an inflation perspective after um a lot of large increases over recent months. Um, you know, the uh, Powell had his had uh, his congressional testimony this week and, um, you know, he said he mentioned it. I don't I don't know how much of a headline it was, but at one point he was talking about this is full employment is that, you know, how can you how can you get more um, jobs without increasing inflation? We're kind of there. Um, So it was overall a really solid report, you know, under under the hood, the household and the uh, establishment survey were pretty aligned so there wasn't there weren't a lot of kind of questions on which direction it goes the prior month's revisions were up about a hundred thousand nothing nothing kind of crazy this is dating back to November, to december and some of the revisions at the end of last year were a little hinky but um but so there wasn't anything crazy there so all in all is solid report all around it's-
2: very interesting. Uh, every January, they do a revision, which is based on the census data. Yes. And it turned out that they were undercounting the amount of people in the 18 to 64 range and overcounting the amount of people in 64 to uh, whatever uh, <clears throat> they did. Um, uh, so but, but they don't then go back and revise it. So the 2021 unemployment rate actually isn't exactly comparable to the 2022 uh, unemployment rate. So this 3.8 is, is very good, but also it's good for a good reason that the the prime aged unemployed people, there was more of them than we thought and they're actually coming back in the workforce. It and, is actually a job, 51% of the jobs created in February were women, which is a great, great sign.
0: It is, an, it is actually an interesting um, dimension. I don't feel like we've really gotten post-pandemic to understand some of these dynamics, but certainly during the great recession, you know, 10 plus years ago, one of the dynamics we saw was that uh, the recovery kind of was taking so long that people were retiring and yeah. we do have you then. Mean, and now be, we, we yeah. do have yeah. a dynamic of like with the baby boomer retiring the labor force participation rate has been crawling back up. It is still not above where it was pre pandemic, but it's not clear that it will ever get there because every year that ticks by, you kind of have this cohort retiring. And um, so it's, it's, uh, you know, even as you go through these, Kind of crises and recoveries and whatnot. You know there are big fat underlying forces moving too that uh, that can affect the numbers.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. I, you know, I kind of get all of us over the years have spent so much time talking about the BLS models and methodology and benchmarking and um, you know seasonal adjustments and adjustments in population ratio and and it's all the, and it uh comparisons to the households you know census household survey versus the uh establishment survey and i think like you know kind of get can you, it's easy to get frustrated about precision on some of this stuff what i think just everyone agree. Be pretty happy yeah, don't yeah. worry about it. It's like
2: four point one, two, three. It's like, no, it, it, it's in the ballpark yeah. of 4%. people get yeah. upset
1: about like, you know, the, on the you know, jobs number. Was it did it meet expectations or not it meet expectations? And I think what if you're thinking about this, you should think about it in a, you know, red light, yellow light, green light. Kind totally. of way, and like, get, don't worry about precision. Is it directionally correct? Are we heading in the right direction? Are we getting sub? Substa- are we getting substantial job growth? Yes, we are. Yep. You know, yep. and like that's a that's a really good sign for an economy. Are you yeah. getting substantial? Yes, we are getting substantial job growth. Um, One thing I
2: always look for is the revisions. If the revisions are positive, that's a good sign. If they're negative, it means that there's bad sign. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and that's what, I, mean, I think people should feel pretty good about about um, like just overall where the economy is. And I know that the uh, you know, the, the, a lot of the early coverage on this today is pointing to the wage, uh, you know, flat, yeah. real uh, flat, real wages. And and obviously, like, you know, you know, uh, when you when you're in an inflationary period, you know, you immediately start thinking about, you know, you, you imagine people showing up and, you know, uh, you know, going to buy the milk and bread, and it costs more, and can they afford it, and that kind of thing. And so, you don't want to see that. But what we, but what we have seen, it appears, is in the most vulnerable populations, lower income populations, is pretty significant wage gains, and and uh, slow wage growth in. The uh, upper incomes, you know, higher exactly. middle, and upper incomes, which is, if you think about it, that's kind of what you want because you don't want to have, you know, you don't want to have a spiral in, of inflation, you know, right? So, and if you have like wage gains that keep, you know, or uh, inspiring, um, or you know, inflation aspiring higher wage gains everlasting, then that then you end up with an inflation spiral. I think that
0: that's right. I'd be, spiral. I'd be, I'd be more excited about this if Russia had not invaded. Ukraine, yep. though, because the, you know, I, I don't, I, this doesn't change the Fed calculus. It's nice to see moderating wage increases that don't um, cascade through the rest of the economy from an inflationary perspective. But I think we're probably at the front end of the cascade of impacts from the entirety of like the Russian exercise in terms of the the economic um, sanctions that have been put on them, the, the cascading impact on supply chains. And I I think that we're this this has a feeling of, uh you know, I don't know, the 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 last simple jobs report for a little while. Like, I think that we're I think that we've gotten um, I think that we've gotten through kind of the front end of the recovery and it just It has a feeling of, okay, you know, interest rates are going to be moving up. You've got geopolitical instability. You still have some of the supply chain issues, which are probably going to be compounded by uh, the Russian exercise. So it feels like there's, you know, there's a little bit to go on the recovery of um, the pandemic. We're still down like two million jobs from where we were beforehand. Um, But I don't know, it feels it feels to me like there's a little bit of like the the low-hanging fruit might be done, and I don't know what the rest of this year is going to look like. But there's just there's a lot of variables out there.
1: I, I don't, yeah, I don't want to be like too sanguine about uh, about energy prices because it has been it has been pretty. You know, pretty steep. But the yeah. the things uh, that I would think about, though, is uh, and just in terms of a report, though, I still think there's busting out post Omicron, busting out that is probably going to show up in the next jobs report. Also, I still think that's there's still that transition, and as you move into, um, you know. Home construction season is still there. Yeah, Yeah, it's worth, I mean, the the biggest gaining sector is leisure and
0: hospitality in this report, as it has been for a little while. I think that the um, CDC loosening of masking guidance will probably help continue to help that sector for for another month or so. It just it feels like uh, I mean, as we've said, like the jobs report is fundamentally backward looking and it does feel like there's a lot of shoes dropping or about to drop in the economy. Like one thing that I always think of is that like the, the economic, the economic uh, factor that the economic statistic that people see every day is the price of gas. Um,
1: Right up there. Big big numbers on every corner. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But it is uh, with the Fed debate, because so much has been enveloped with inflation and we're kind of ignoring the growth aspect, like it's okay for the fed to raise rates when the yeah. unemployment rate is 3.8% and we're creating, you know, 700,000 jobs. It, we don't need to be at zero. So, you know, the economy can withstand higher rates. The the, the question is how much higher should they well, be?
1: Especially since we, as Matt noted uh, earlier with Russia, you know, Russia Ukraine I mean yeah, I mean this is you know uh this is inflationary um yeah I mean so like we're so they, they need to push against this uh, this is like this is the time to do that and I do think that uh uh you know he is doing it from a position of strength I mean this is you know he's, he's in a position to be able yep. to uh to push against those headwinds um and he's indicated that pretty pretty clearly i think it was uh you know when he's indicated that they would be b- raising the policy rate by 25 basis points like he did it like he did in fact like the the, the by virtue of saying it it's done yes. <laughs> right so he's already done it so you don't have to wait till march you just look for more future indication as to whether they're going to push even harder yeah uh, in the next uh in the next fomc meeting because he's actually already raised them
2: i have a Political question for you: Why doesn't hmm. Biden bring back Build Back Better, but throw in, I don't know, billions of dollars of of U.S. money to to ex- expand our export of gas and and LNG. natural gas to 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 offset the the Russians? Is that a bill that can uh, get passed?
1: There, well, I mean, they're they're going to pass um, emergency spending for. Uh, For Ukraine and COVID, I mean that's that's going to get done. It's going to be off budget, so emergency spending. So it's not going to contribute to you know not not a not a concern for budget window kinds of calculations. So uh, so that's going to get done on the energy side. You know this came up in Jen Psaki's uh, presser yesterday. She was you know sort of pushed on what they could be doing to increase uh, output, and her answer was that no one's keeping oil companies or gas companies from producing more, you know, there's, they've got, um, you know, the, the, the leases that they're sitting on, they're not using. And th- this is the thing, right. There's always been a case, um, yeah. you know, Brendan, you know, this m- market better than I do, but like, you know, the, the beauty of fracking is that you can kind of dial it up and dial it down. I mean, it's yeah. really easy to just like, you just go and you can kind of go do it. I think you're going to see on the oil front. See and that it has happen. been
2: consolidated into the, yeah. the, the, the big
1: LNG, are doing it
2: now.
1: Yeah. The LNG problem for Europe is part of it is, um, you know, part of it is, uh, you know, the Russian you know, the the 10% that comes from Russia, Russia, the bigger, the, the big problem they have though is storage. Yeah. So we can produce all the LNG we want. They need to put it somewhere and they don't have sufficient storage. So they need to increase storage so that we can, not just us, but even you know the Israelis want to send LNG. Exactly, yeah. send LNG. Yeah, I was yeah. reading.
2: Apparently, P- Portugal is where it comes through, but Portugal's pretty kind of cut off from the rest of the, of Europe. It's not, yeah. and then you have to truck it. Yeah, yeah
1: I, mean, I could imagine. Actually, I, I mean, something that would be really, really interesting would be some kind of uh, natural gas compact between the United yep. States and your totally yeah. yeah, that really smooths the the distribution yep. uh, between these economies. And where we contribute because we have an interest in European uh, storage of LNG, both from a commercial standpoint, so we could sell more of our stuff, but also a strategic standpoint so we can uh, keep them connected to us and less connected to uh, less dependent on Russia.
2: I totally agree. I mean, the world is a completely different place than seven days ago. When this war is over, we're not going back to the way it was. Russia is the enemy, and and we're not going to lift the sanctions. You know, I mean, maybe we will if I think we will something happens to Putin. But but if 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 Putin's still in charge, the the, the sanctions stay. Yeah.
1: Well, I think we're I think we're living with sanctions on Russia for a very long time, and I, I think and, th- and I think we're looking at a a strategic decoupling of Russian energy for a very very long time until there's real change there. And that's just a matter of fact. Which, by the way, Russia has made it pretty easy for us to do. They've simplified things. Uh, for For everyone, and because they' such an undeveloped economy, I mean look a hundred years ago russia 's economy was based on energy, wheat, and gold russia 's economy today is based on energy, wheat. And gold. Yeah, it has no development in a hundred years. So if you think about that, like they make this very easy for us. There's not like lots of, you know. I always said like, they're and they important. export
2: their smart people.
1: <laughs> As I say, that's their most important export has been brain power. Yeah, you know, which they they ship to the United States. It's like, thank you. You know, we'll take that trade
2: every day. Yeah, it, every in day. Wall Street, I can't tell yeah. you how many Russians I worked with.
1: Yeah, really talented people who uh, who uh, who've left the country, and so and they
2: were all so, math geniuses.
1: Yeah, so we don't have to worry about them, like them shutting off a lot of really interesting stuff from us. We can shut off a lot of interesting stuff from them, right? And, and we do as a world can't...
2: have the capability to replace the the Russian energy. We yeah. it's going to take a while because we have to build ports and 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 infrastructure systems, but it's it's completely capable of doing it
0: for
1: sure. Yeah, what is what is your sense on the economy uh, on the just on but on the on the near term economic uh, uh, impact? brendan on uh on just you know the spike and where do you see where do you, where can you see not just oil but lng going oil i heard by, by the way something i saw just anecdotally. i don't know how, how true this is but there's just people are not taking russian oil right at so
2: 70 percent of their exports are sitting there at the at the docks. But
1: um, it seems to me like if you're, that's an oil industry, like you can't do that for very long. Right. The same, it, it, the same capacity aspect, problem. Yeah.
2: You need it, to put it, it somewhere. It, it kind of blows my mind. Cause I guess the, the sanctions were built to allow them to still keep sending it. But we as a world aren't buying it. Uh, I don't know how long that's going to last.
1: Hey Matt, I feel like we, we should, we could have, we should have John Dick on here too. Uh, uh, or, uh, you know, people, Still think this is like the worst economy of their lifetimes. Yeah, you know, and the really the only metric of it is inflation. Yeah, like people every don't other like inflation, people don't like inflation. It could, nope. it's, it's just it, uh, it's um, it explains why we spent the past thirty years really focused on not having inflation. We were got yeah. really good about it.
2: But, but we, we definitely should have John on, especially now with the, the Ukraine situation where we can make a little bit of a sacrifice and deal with higher food prices and higher oil prices, gas prices to try to help Ukraine. You know, the greatest generation, they went and fought and died. You know, like we have to pay an extra 50 cents at the, the pump or, or things like that. So I, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how we as a, a country – are willing to maybe sacrifice a little bit but i i actually don't think we will i think we'll still be mad about higher prices europe is a different situation though so i i think the u.s economy is fine and and yeah. we can withstand it yeah. europe really is is facing a stagflation situation just because there's so much more dependent on russian yeah. russian energy
1: well from a uh, from a job standpoint here though you have to you have to think though you know um you know i know everybody hates higher prices on uh, on oil, but, uh, you know, we have been in a downdraft on, 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 uh, you know, oil production in the United States for multi years now. Yeah. You know, so we could see some reversion back into I, that. Um. I
0: mean, I think there's a few, I think there's a few things at play. And maybe the main thing in my mind is that if the supply chains weren't messy to begin with, yeah, they could be adapting this to this, I just think it's I just think it's gonna be another headache on top of this that is gonna take a little while to solve. I think this is gonna be months of messiness. On the inflation thing, I think it's an exercise of people, you know, listen people feel like they have some measure of control over their job and their income and that sort of stuff. Like you can, you know, listen, like you can do training, you can go get a new job, you can You can quit and go to school or you can ask for a raise. You can do all those things. You cannot do anything about inflation like that is just that's that is what it is. And I think that that's a I think that that's why, you know, whatever it may be is like, oh, well, you know, wages are keeping up or whatever the story is. It's just a completely unsatisfying and annoying (laughs) aspect of the economy where you know, if, if like the prices of things just keep going up, you just, you kind of feel like you're on a treadmill and you're not getting anywhere. And I think that's where people get, get grumpy about that stuff, even though I, you know, it's obviously, um, it's been a stretch. It's not, um, you know, it's not at the levels of the past. And I think that the fed has a a way more credibility in terms of focusing on it than was the case back in the
1: seventies. But, um, you're not buying this. No, uh, people in, don't like uh, it. Yeah, but you're not. You're not buying the White House's push that uh, you know corporations are corporations are causing inflation. Uh, Everyone needs an enemy, and they've found it. I, I understand that. So your like, I mean, the, the, your observation is the right one: is that um, there's not a lot you can do, and so but you have to do something, and so it's flailing. Yeah, it's a lot of flailing. Well, I don't mean.
0: Out. I mean, like, I mean. Uh, there's not a lot that individuals can do about it. Right. But I mean, the interesting thing about this is that, is that, um, you know, in theory, in theory, like the, the answer to some of this stuff is that, okay, so the fed raises rates. And then from a, from a uh, fiscal policy perspective, you know, you pull back a little bit through taxes or lower spending or whatever the answer is. uh, But that's, That's not something they want to talk about. But some of that's a dream. But but the Democrats
2: have done an awful job of messaging. Like The economy is good, but you have like Elizabeth Warren out there saying corporations need to lower prices. So so you're admitting that prices are a big issue. So both sides are complaining about higher prices. You know, so uh, everybody is mad about higher prices.
1: Yeah. Yeah, For different reasons and and different levels. Yeah. And different levels of understanding. I mean, what do individuals do? I mean, individuals do. Two things: They stop buying some things and they substitute for cheaper versions of other things. So that's like, those are sort of the things that you end up doing. You look for discounts, you look for non-brand name kinds of things, whatever you can do to to lower your prices. We suspect we'll see that with uh, gasoline prices, gasoline prices get too high. People stop driving as much as they used to um, and they decide to stay home and, and things like that, even as, gas prices are a you know smaller share of our uh household you know expenditures as they are they're a smaller share but they still have that impact and people t- eventually become sensitive uh to to prices that way the government but if i meant with, with the government you know uh looks like, i mean tax taxes are not going to go up anytime soon um, spending has come down some and the fed is going in its, uh, in its, in its direction, the regulatory stuff, the white house is talking about, I think are just silly and just yeah. populist things that they can, uh, they can say the one thing that they actually can do that would have a, uh, uh, you know, uh, that would help to bring prices down immediately with the stroke of a pen is to get rid of these idiotic, uh, tariffs that were imposed in the Trump administration that are still sitting there. So, you know, but now he doesn't want to do that because the labor unions really like those Tariffs, like he is by nature <laughs> b- protectionist, but with the stroke of a pen, he could get lower steel prices, lower aluminum prices, lumber prices, all of these things, uh, if uh, if they really wanted to. So they're not doing the one. And, and China's China's
2: China is actually buying UK. our stuff now because they need to because they can't buy it from the Ukraine. So yeah, now true. is the perfect opportunity to get rid of the tariffs because the demand is there.
0: It, I mean, it is. It, this is going to be an interesting s- stretch of the coming year for China in terms of their calculus and stuff. Like, I, I think that the. I think that clearly the past several weeks of Russia and the response of the Western world has to give them pause on everything that they were thinking and the decoupling calculus of what's going on. I mean, it is it is a fascinating kind of geopolitical moment that we're living through. And it's not clear to me where I mean, I I, I think China probably feels like they have fewer choices. Or, You're right, or maybe and this the isn't the worst choice, is ago. probably the better way of thinking yeah. about
2: it. But everything's not made in China anymore.
1: One thing you would see um, uh, to to that point is in terms of what China is, that China is walking a very very narrow path here uh because you know they don't want they want to keep their options open on Taiwan. So we right. don't want to they can not they are not going to be too critical of of Russia um at the same time if you, like, if you just look for indicators something that you would have expected to see over the past week is a bidding up of the ruble relative to the renminbi. And actually the ruble has fallen relative to the renminbi. So even against the renminbi, the ruble has fallen. And, And now look, China is going to get uh, you know a little a little more like they they get to be bottom feeders on oil. They're going to get you know to <laughs> buy really cheap oil because they'll be the only ones buying it yeah. from Russia. Russia is going to make a whole lot less money on it. Uh, I mean, they're still making more money because like the global price has gone up, so they're still making money. They're going to make a billion dollars a year. I'm sorry, billion a billion like dollars a day. Russia. Day I mean, here's oil. the thing
0: on on a on a macro scale, Russia has just established a different perspective on risk of dealing with authoritarian countries than was the case before. So like every country that is thinking about business in China, their calculus has 100% shifted in a serious, serious way over the past month. And like, I don't, for all the saber rattling that, that like Trump did and like, Oh, do we need to like diversify supply chain risk and all that sort of stuff is like, I mean, Putin's done so much more damage to China in just a month than yeah than any and, US president did with any measure over the past decade. I mean, it's it's a, it's people are going to look at the risk that that yeah. presents, whether it is Taiwan or whether it is just in what China has done themselves to like their tech companies and just the whims of the government. I mean, it is it's they have problems.
2: I do. I agree. And it's only been a few days of these sanctions, so it's not fully being seen in the Russian economy. But whatever the kind of popular narrative of how strict these sanctions are on the news, Multiply it by 100. That's what we just did to Russia. We, we sent them back 1,000 years. They, they can't buy things. And then also, like Apple shut off Russia. I think that is as big of a deal from a psychological, sociological standpoint uh, as as knocking off of Swift. IKEA. Close all their stores yesterday, and uh, Russians rushed to buy everything out of IKEA. It, they are shut off from the the global economy, and they don't make anything.
1: I was also, you know, just, just the feeling of how much the, the economy has changed over time in ways that could really impact them. So that's so like we're tr- 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 kind of turning them into a barter economy. By yeah. shutting them off and all of those things. But one other thing, I was talking to some. Um, I'm in this a uh, small group of. Uh, people who include some uh, Ukrainian technology pe- technologists who are uh, they 're working with all of the big technology companies Oracle cisco uh, Cisco uh, Amazon, Google, and others Microsoft about keeping uh, or enc- encouraging those companies, which i think they 're doing is to not just to not do business there but to prevent Russia from updating software. Yeah. Right. To do fixes and bug fixes. Now, if you think about that, you know, like that stuff changes so quickly. How many times are you updating your phone, updating systems yeah. to protect against, uh, uh, you know, cyber attacks and, and whatever, if, if they can't do that and they're using all Western technology again, it's just another one of those crippling kinds of things that you don't think, you know, we don't, you don't think I about. Agree. Yeah. And, um, and by the so, way, that
0: is, that is another shoe that has yet to drop is that we have, we, there's a ground war. There's an economic war. We have not yet. The cyber war has not really Mm-mm. manifested the way I think a lot of people anticipated. Doesn't mean it won't, but it's another variable that's out there that could be I agree. significant. I agree.
1: Um, that's a fascinating way. I think it's a, we're going to be uh, in know, next week. I'm going to be in. Um, I'm going to we're going to do the show from um, uh, I'll be from in Brussels and I'm, gonna ch- I'm actually going to try to get someone to uh, join, I am talking to a couple different um, European economists to talk a little bit about the the EU economy yep. and uh, relative to, uh, to to Russia and this uh, supply shock. So it's kind of weird to call it a supply shock. It's not. It's not that there is no. It's a weird supply shock, yeah. Because yeah. we're saying like we're, we're not going to not going to take this, but it's a supply shock, um, and uh, and so we'll try to do that a little bit next week from from Brussels as well. Um, but this is going to be, we're going to be dealing with this for, for a while. So it's fascinating. And the China things that Matt talked about, uh, how China, um, uh, walks that path over the next few months will be fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And what are we looking at, at, uh, for data next week, Brendan?
2: Um, it's a, a little, uh, more quiet week. It, th- yeah. This one was a, a, a very big one with, uh, the, the jobs report. Uh, and then also we had Powell up on the Hill. So this was a, a really big, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh data yeah. and, 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 and macro week. Uh but next week's a little uh, it's quieter. We have balance of trade data uh globally, <laughs> inflation uh rates in China and uh, Europe. Um the Jolts uh report, which was always uh, Janet Yellen's favorite report. So it's the job openings and labor turnover, and that's become a much more important uh uh indicator um you know, uh, in the last uh, few years, let's and definitely here take, in the United yeah, States we get the CPI. Yeah, let's definitely idea.
1: let's definitely do a, 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 a make sure that we do a look at Jolts next week. I mean, I, I think it's uh, yeah,
2: it, it's very interesting because people leaving their jobs, uh, people quitting their jobs, is a really good indicator that, 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 that the economy is strong. You know, you're willing to leave a safe job and 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 do something else. Yep. and then we get the the CPI report, so that'll be the big one for the for that'll the be the big one. Yeah.
1: yeah. All right, guys. Great Very fun great day fun jobs fun jobs day I mean nice yep. to have a blowout a nice blowout day and travel safe first time in Europe in two years right uh, first time for work I was, oh, in, okay. I, was in a, yeah, I was in Italy last summer oh uh, yeah in the summer, uh, September yeah, yeah. but uh, but first time for work and uh, I, I'm, I'm excited about that all right guys have a great weekend see you next week on the macrocast
0: thank you for listening to the HPS macrocast please remember to subscribe rate and share.